Hello and welcome back to the Student Pages podcast. As always, I am your host, Grace Sanders, and today I am joined by Emmy Award-nominated actress, Kelly Jeanrette. <laughs> Hello, Kelly. How are you doing today? Hello, Grace. I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing perfect, thank you. Thank you for Great. asking. Yes. Whereabouts are you joining us from today? I am in Los Angeles, California. Sunny and chilly Los Angeles, California. <laughs> I understand it's it's award season over there for you guys now. Are you sensing like a little bit of a change in the environment? Is the anxieties high over in LA? You know, I kind of feel like it's always like that <laughs> over here. But, you know, I think there there is a little bit more electricity in the atmosphere. You know, people are getting even more dolled up than they usually are. So it's a fun time. It's award season for me as well, but they just never invite me. So that's yeah. <laughs> It happens. It happens. It wasn't a priority to watch the award shows because it's this is typically like our pilot season. And so I would have so many auditions and I would always tell my husband they're good on the award shows. They they have the jobs. I'm trying to get a job. So I need to focus on these auditions that I need to try to go in and kill. So lately, now that I'm on a show, there's a little bit more flexibility to kind of watch. And I just I just want to enjoy and I'm rooting for for everybody. So I wanted to ask a little bit more as well. You kind of hinted towards like uh, the, the coming up through like the stars of Hollywood. How was it actually getting into acting at the start? You know, I think it was challenging, not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I knew I was no stranger to hard work. So I knew that I would have to work hard. I just did not understand how long I would have to work. I moved out to to California in 2006 and it I did not book my first co-star role until 2013. And I had been acting well before that in Atlanta, Georgia. It was an eye-opening experience, you know, to go from Atlanta because the Atlanta that we have now that's booming with film and television production was not like that when I was there. So it was a lot of theater that I did and that was really popular there. So I just kind of came out bright eyed, bushy tail, like I'm here LA and I'm ready. Are you ready for me? And um, <laughs> they were like, yeah, get in line. So I did. <laughs> you see that in a lot of films about the whole coming to LA, wanting to be a star. And is that sort of like portrayed in reality, like really quite well? I would say for the most part, you know, I think if they did it exactly how it is in reality, those movies would probably be about six, seven hours to portray, you know, and then she auditioned and then she didn't get it. And then she threw a temper tantrum and then she auditioned and, you know, just the hills and valleys. So it doesn't always end quite like a fairy tale, but I think the the reality of you know, coming out here and having this dream and then kind of being slapped in the face with the reality of, hey, it's not it's not as easy as it may have been portrayed on the screen. And it may not be that kind of happy fairy tale ending. And as a result, I had to kind of redefine my idea of success, you know, because coming out here, you like success is booking a TV show or a film and being on the big screen, little screen. But I had to understand that for me, 
just because at that time I was not on uh, the big screen, little screen did not mean I was not successful. The fact that I stayed out here for as long as I did, that is successful. I think that's so true to like that form of maturity as well. Uh, even if you're looking for like business role, a commercial role, mm-hmm. or, like, like many of our listeners, students looking to like break into the working world that maturity of realizing that your form of success is going to like change and form into its own little thing. And you've got to take the little successes and add them into the big successes. And it took me several years to get (laughs) to that place because I was not there the first six years that I was, I was out here because, you know, you are, you do feel the pressure of needing to book, you know, when you meet someone, it's like, Hey, so what are you working on? And, you know, to say I'm working on staying out here is not always the most popular thing to say, but it is a reality. And that became my reality. And I was okay with saying this is what I'm working on, just staying out here. But now the reality is that you are in the CW series, uh, All American Homecoming. You have Netflix movie streaming. You've been in The Handmaid's Tale, which I think everybody all over the face of the earth has heard of. Yes. <laughs> what is your favorite role to play? And can you give us a little bit of an insight about the roles that you have played? Do you kind of fall- see yourself falling into uh, a stock character as such? Oh, Grace, you know, anytime I'm asked, like, what's your favorite character? That is that thing of like asking a mom, like, who's your favorite child? Because they're all so different. You know, I I think about Annie on The Handmaid's Tale. And honestly, I watched the show. I I watched the first episode of season one. And at the end of it, this was before I auditioned, I said to myself, oh, I cannot watch this show. This is just, I can't do it. And then the audition came in and I I said, oh, I need to watch this show to really understand what it's about. And so being able to be a part of that show, which led to an Emmy nomination, like that's huge, of course. But I feel like each character that I've played has kind of been just another stepping stone on the journey to where I am now. Think about my very first series regular role, Grandfather, playing Annalise alongside John Stamos. That was incredible, you know, and for that to be my first big role and to be surrounded by so many amazing actors and well-seasoned actors in John Stamos and Paget Brewster. It it was just a dream come true. And then of course, like I, I cannot leave out Dr. Amara Pas- uh, Patterson, President Dr. Amara Patterson, you know, being able to portray that character, such a warm and loving firm, truth-seeking character, very much close to who I am as an individual is also an honor. I mean, I could, like every character I've played, I can pinpoint like, yes, that that's what that did for me in my career and why it means so much to me. I feel like sometimes you you play characters that you like and characters that you don't like as well. Mm-hmm. But that can 
sort kind of change for me whenever I like kind of sink into roll it's always the villain roles the terrible people but I love them in secret yeah <laughs> yeah I mean and for so another favorite role of mine was Delanda in All Day and a Night uh, the it's currently on Netflix I got to play alongside Jeffrey Wright who is one of my favorite actors in the entire world but I judged her so harshly when I read the script, when I read the sides, because I just couldn't understand how this woman could talk to her child like that, you know. But as an actor, it is my job not to judge the character, but to understand the character. And so that was a challenge for me to say, hold on, Kelly, you know, just because your life experiences led you to this and these are the choices that you make, you don't know what choices you would have made if you were in Delanda's shoes and had those experiences. So, you know, being able to be reminded to take a step back, not to judge my character, but to do my best to understand is, is a challenge that I, I welcome and I enjoy. I think that's such a good piece of advice there as well. Like, for anybody who's looking to get into acting, when you actually look at a character profile, you can't think, oh, well, I would have done this and I would have done that because you are not you. You are mm -hmm. that and that, I've mm -hmm. never heard that before. I do find that that's such a good piece of advice. What pieces of advice uh, have you got from the actors that you've played alongside? You just mentioned that Jeffrey Wright is one of your favorite actors. Did um, Was he giving you any tips on set? He was giving me tips, but he didn't realize that he was giving me tips. I was just watching him as a student of the craft, just taking in. I remember a moment that that we had. It's not... I don't think I don't think it made the cut, but I had just given birth to our son and we were in the hospital and he was holding the baby, which was a baby doll. And he walked from one side of the bed to the foot of the bed to the other side. And I remember in that moment just watching him and feeling like this is a masterclass in vulnerability and transparency in fear and anxiety and doubt and hope and love. And he had no words, but it was all in his eyes, all in the, the expression of his face, how he held that baby. And you would not have known that that wasn't a real baby that he was holding. And so I got tips from him that he didn't even realize he was giving just by watching how he engaged in in the role i have to admit well as soon as you said that was a baby doll those baby dolls freak me out so much yes. they are so realistic they are very realistic it is it's crazy <laughs> speaking of like roles and productions with like really hard hitting themes and really important themes such as the handmaid's tale i believe not only are you an actress, but you are a playwright currently writing a play commissioned by the Black Rebirth Collective, which is a community for Black creatives who put on events and programs. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you're writing? Yes. So I am writing a play about Betty Shabazz and Coretta Scott King. In 2016, I got to see The Meeting, which was written by Jeff Stetson, and it is an imagined meeting between Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. And 
it just sparked an interest in me to to want to see uh, and imagine meeting between these two iconic women who are often and mostly regarded as the wives or the widows of these iconic men. And so I wanted to see a piece that showed the humanity of these women behind closed doors and the theater collective that I'm a founding member of as well, they kind of rallied around me and said, if you want to see it, then write it. And so that's what I've been doing. And so this play takes a look at how their relationship went from rivalry to tolerance to genuine affection. And so just wanting to kind of see how that unfolded in my imagination, while also kind of borrowing from some of the facts that are out there in the world. Like, how has this experience writing kind of shaped your creative process? Because it's one thing to take a character. It's another thing to build like the the collective world around it. Grace, it has been so exhausting. (laughs) I've had so, you know, I have been working on this since... 2018. And, you know, as an actor, I'm so in my head about wanting to make sure it's right. My, I have entirely too many stage directions, you know, trying to explain like, this is what the character is thinking and feeling. And so it has been a challenge, but also an eye opener to, to say, just like you want writers to trust you, you have to trust the actors that will take on this piece. So it has been challenging me to look through not only the lens as an actor, but also a writer and being able to feeling comfortable enough to trust that whoever gets to play these two iconic women will bring exactly what needs to be brought. I know that there was also a film uh, about Betty and Coretta uh, a while ago, which actually starred Angela Bassett, who we mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, I know, like, while it was well regarded, it was criticized by the Shabazz and the King children due to its, like, inaccuracy of portrayal. Like, how are you personifying these extremely strong figures? You know, thank you for asking that. And I intentionally did not watch um, that movie. I um, have been reading their the autobiography that Coretta Scott King wrote and then the biography that was written about Betty Shabazz and just kind of taking things from that but also understanding that there will have to be some creative license because this is an imagined meeting so I I, I, again I did not watch that film so I'm not exactly sure what the you know what the focus was but this is an imagined meeting. And there is always that fear of how is this going to be taken? But as a creative, I can't take that burden on, which is what I do, in which my creative director constantly challenges me on to say, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to to tell this story imagined um, or not. So I'm like, I hear you talk so passionately about this and about the people around you supporting you. Like, how has it made a difference having this sort of like in- environment in which you can prosper? It is so important to have a support system around you and understanding that, yeah, the support is not always going to feel good. 
there have been meetings that I've had, writing meetings where I just left feeling like I don't want to do this anymore. The support did not make me feel that way. It was my own inadequacies and insecurities based off of the challenges that were presented by my support group. But even in that, my support system was they understood she understood. She gave me space. And then it was like, all right, now let's let's come back to it. And even in in acting, when I'm presented with challenges, I have to understand, does this person love me? Do they have my best interest at heart? They do. So I cannot take it personal and not feel not feeling like they are attacking me. They're not. They're challenging me to be better. And like whilst acting is kind of such a a sole introspective career, that reliance upon others is so important, as as is with anything. So Mm -hmm. what was like the thing when I'm, I'm assuming when you were a child, maybe in your adolescence as you were growing up that said, this is for me? Like acting is for me, being a creative is for me. I think when I, in the fifth grade, when I did my my very first play, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and I got to play Charlie, it was, it was something that I felt it excited me. It intrigued me. I, I always felt like just, I had a creative mind. I had such a vivid imagination um, when I was supposed to be sleeping at, at night for getting ready for school the next day, I was in there creating stories, you know, in my mind. And so it was always something that was, that was a part of me. And then I saw this movie, The Five Heartbeats, and was just even more intrigued by this acting thing. I honestly don't feel like I got to a place where I said, oh, this is for me until college. You know, I always thought that acting was was a hobby. It wasn't something that you did. I felt like the people that I saw on the screen, they were chosen for this, you know, by some imaginary committee that said, yes, you get to do it, you get to do it. And so acting was was a hobby that was going to be on the side. So when I graduated from high school, I said, I'm going to be a forensic psychologist and I'll do acting on the side. But when I got into my sophomore year and saw all the science classes, I said, well, no, I I think I'd much rather play a forensic psychologist on TV and uh, transfer back home and got my degree in in theater. And I think that's when I said, yeah, this this can be more than a hobby and I'm going to pursue it. I don't think I I counted the cost. I really understood what that meant, but I I just felt drawn to it and felt like this was something that I needed to do. Was that an open casting call for any forensic psychologists on Law and Order <laughs> SVU? <laughs> no, and you know, I had an audition for I can't remember, it was one of the in NCIS. And it was like the perfect role. And I I said, this is what I have been waiting for. And I ended up psyching myself out and bombed that audition so hard. You know, it just, I allowed it to mean entirely too much to me. 
And I, I just, I remember afterwards calling my agent and I was just in tears and I was like, I just, I messed up. And, you know, she said, well, did you ask if you could do it again? And I said, no, she said, you always ask because if you don't ask, if you can do it again, then casting thinks that you think that's your best. And if that's not your best, you need to let them know and do it over. And they will either say yes or no, but they'll know that you knew that wasn't your best work. You've been given so many tips out for free. You need to like write yeah. a book or something. I'm <laughs> do you find that like you mentioned uh, that you're a mother? Do you find that you are promoting your kids to go into acting as well? Short answer is is no. Call them my my bonus kids. My husband had. I call my children bonus kids. My husband had three boys when we got married and they're the youngest now is 15. The um, our middle son, Deshaun, was kind of thinking about going into the acting world. And my conversation with him was just, if this is something that you want to do, great. Also understand it's a lot of work. And that's the same thing that I've, I've told my nephew, who is like a son to me, Jonathan. You know, I think a lot of times people see the end result, but they don't see the years, the hours that have gone into getting to that end result. And so it is it is not something that I'm like, yeah, you should you should do it. I will be supportive and encouraging. And also you have to have both truth and grace when when dealing with that you're so right there and I think like the environment is constantly changing as well for like the these gates that are constantly opening and closing for young people to come into acting and begin mm-hmm. to look like tv personalities actors comedians are, are like catapulting to them through social media like namely tiktok what mm-hmm. do you do you have kind of any strong feelings about how a social media brand or like how this has changed Ooh, you know, I was so against social media and it's just not my thing. And even now it is challenging <laughs> for me to to stay on top of social media, because for me, it's just so much about the craft. Some a friend of mine had to create my Instagram page back in 2015. I do not have a TikTok account. You know, I, I think, yes, there are really talented people out there. And then I think that there are other people who are opportunistic and understand that this is, and this is another way for me kind of skip, skip the line. But again, to, to my earlier point, I don't know how much work they've put into it. You know, um, we see them catapult to instant fame, but again, I don't know how many years they were putting into doing things or sketches or, you know, going to comedy clubs. I I don't know their history. It is just my hope that once they get to that place that they understand there is still work that needs to be done and talent will always show itself and the lack thereof will always show too. Speaking of talent and work, I believe you also have uh, some upcoming uh, new movies, new ventures. Would you like to talk a little bit about those? Yes. So we have out here um, what's called the Pan-African Film Festival. And I did a film a couple of years ago called Honor Student, and it is dealing with school shootings. 
and I play a teacher in it, Hudson Yang. He was from Fresh Off the Boat. He plays the student who takes my character hostage. And it was by far the hardest thing that I've ever had to work on. Just and not to not to give anything away, but you know, there there was a sense of helplessness and hopelessness that that I as the actor had to feel and had to come to grips with with this character. And it was extremely, extremely difficult. The after the the first day of filming, I remember, you know, I called my husband and he was, you know, cheery, like, hey, babe. And I just burst into tears and I said, I can you please just run a bath for me? And I just that's it, you know, just because I needed to come home and wash the the day away, that experience away. But it will be it will have its world premiere on Saturday, January 11th at 9.55 p.m. And then there will be a second screening on Wednesday, January 15th. Um, at the Pan-African Film Festival. All of your like uh, ventures and topics are so hard-hitting and so personal. Are you going to do a comedy? (laughs) 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 That's, you know, the the people on All-American Homecoming, they're always like, I need you to do a comedy because I am so silly. Um, I just am, and I love comedy. I absolutely love comedy, so... I would love to do a comedy. Um, you know, I would love to work with Maya Rudolph, Kristen Wiig, because I think that they are some of the the funniest women that I know. And their sense of humor, I feel, is very much akin to my sense of humor. I would love to work with Will Ferrell as well. Just, you know, that that sense of humor I, I love. So hopefully a comedy will come soon. I wanted to for you. I've been talking about all these different <laughs> topics. I'm like, please, someone give this woman a break. Right. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> and finally, do you have any advice uh, for any of our listeners out there, as this is the student pages, not the regular pages, uh, who are looking to get involved uh, in acting, in a creative process, in playwriting? Yes. You know, I I quote this proverb a lot. It's a proverb that says it is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. And so I would just say to back up that passion and zeal with knowledge, study the craft. You know, there is no other job that someone will go to and just say, yeah, I mean, I got talent. I don't need to to go to class or do anything. I'm just, here I am. There's no other job where you do that. And so I would just encourage students, your listeners, as I was encouraged, get in class, do as much studying as you can, read books, watch with a with a critical eye when you're looking at film and TV, see if you can kind of guess what their objective may have been or try to understand the relationship. One of my acting teachers says, casting people are not casting individuals, they're casting relationships. And so how does does your character interact with the other character. And so, you know, just really getting as much information as you can. So
so that you can break the rules later, you know? And so that, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Get as much education and knowledge as you can to back up the zeal and the passion that you have. I think those are so like such wise words there, honestly. (laughs) Thank Thank you you. ever so much uh, for taking the time to speak to me today, Kelly. Thank you, Grace, for your time as well. I appreciate it.